The Red, The Toon, The Cat, Weather. raining that's where it is at the moment it's raining uh cloudy morning outbreaks of heavy rain brisk winds tending to uh become a little bit drier and brighter once the afternoon progresses roll on the afternoon sunny spells today temperatures up to 13 celsius tonight uh yeah that cold front comes in turning chillier getting down to three degrees here we go again from yarm to yibby Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. Right, stay in Australia, Ted. Stay in Cyprus, Steve. Stay, oh on, stay under the duvet. Whatever you do, don't come out. It's turning <laughs> okay. cold again. I'm on my Good way. morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Morning, Wednesday. everybody. Where are these weeks going, lads? Where are these weeks going? Honestly, right. it's flying, Amazing. isn't it? And uh, the, well, cats, the cats are welcome to see, uh, welcoming you back. Um, you were saying just before came. Yeah, yeah they've had me up since, well, I guess 3 a.m. your time. Um, yeah, they're, they're absolutely delighted to have me home. Uh, so much so, Stelios has written several songs that can only be performed <laughs> at night. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there's a full album in the works. Um, oh, yeah. So he's left you a present on the step? <laughs> no, he, he, vomited, he vomited at six o'clock this morning as well, so what's that? Four so o'clock in time. Dad's yeah. back. So it was, excited. It was, just, it, was just, it was just clear stuff, so that's fine. Uh, wasn't a fair ball. Yeah. No, it wasn't a firm one, no, Please, can we not go into too much detail? Please. <laughs> I'm trying to eat Describe a banana here. Colour. I'm trying to eat a banana. Well, well that's unprofessional. I've chucked texture. my toast down, to be on here. Chugged it down. <laughs> Great phrase. So here we are, Wednesday. Uh, lots to talk about, as always. Um, and breaking news coming through as well. We'll cover that if there is any. But uh, got lots of topics. My turn today. Um, interesting one, uh, which we'll be starting off with, I'm sure, um, is the appointment by Nottingham Forest and uh, Nuno Espirito Santo of Mark Clattenburg as a referee analyst. Yes, analyst. Mm. Um, at the club. It'll be interesting to see what uh, the lads think of that, including Radio Dad. Uh, Jazz Singh. Uh, who is he? Um, is he the best goalkeeper in the UK at the moment? We'll, uh, Jazz we'll ask singer. that question. Is he not on the yeah, masked well, doings? Is he? No, no, it's not. That's finished now. It was Al Jolson, um, wasn't it? It is, it is an interesting question, Jazz Singh. Uh, Gareth Southgate um, will talk about potential England selections. Is he looking at the right people? And uh, my favourite manager of all time um, at Sunderland, Steve Bruce, is interested in becoming the next South Korea manager. Um, oh yes, yes, we'll talk about Steve Bruce and what utterings he's been coming out with in the last seven days. We've also got Steve's wild card topic, which I'm bringing in. Yeah. It's a mystery question, so um, oh, no. the lads won't it's have had any time to prepare do for this. Do I have to line up Toya Wilcox? It's a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery. Probably a lawyer, dear. Now I'm quaking. I'm quaking in my trainers. Oh, no. Yeah, probably a lawyer is your best bet. Um, that's that's what we'll be looking at today. And I'm sure there'll be other things as well. I'm going to start off with the championship results last night. One asked the lads, uh, how does that shape up at the top of the, uh, the championship now after last night's results? But as always, we will look at the club headlines. Um, 
who we're going to start with this morning, Dave? We'll do a bit of rye. Why not? Just simply because the computer's Woo! computers going up there, that's all. Smoggies and Proud. <laughs> Borough News. Good morning, you beautiful Borough fans. Happy Wednesday. Borough still sweating on the fitness of Johnny House and Hayden Hackney to return this week. But there have been three names that have potentially emerged as players that may never feature for Borough again. Obviously, Liam Roberts, Middlesbrough, who has signed three new goalkeepers in the summer with Sandy Dieng, Tom Glover and Jamie Jones, uh, all on permanent deals, meant three other shot stoppers were shipped out on loan, including the experienced Liam Roberts. Hayden Coulson, despite having signed a new deal with Middlesbrough in February only last year, Coulson is not expected to be in Carrick sinking next season with Bocas Lucas Engel and Alex Bangura, uh, the front two, and we have Luke Thomas on loan. And Matthew Hoppy, uh, who's a, a big one. This one speaks volumes that Hoppy returned from his loan spell in the MLS when Middlesbrough have had no fit strikers. Even though he was included on the bench, he has yet been and been fit and available, he is yet to be selected for Borough's last seven games. A lot saying and talking about there. Our under-21s bowed out of the Premier League Cup last night with a defeat on the road to Fulham, advancing as Group G runners-up courtesy of a landslide victory at Birmingham and a favourable result elsewhere in the final round group stage fixtures. Mark Tinkler's charge... Uh, Chargers had already pulled off a major coup to reach the knockout stages. But there was to be no joy in the capital as despite a goal for Sonny Finch on his return from injury, the Cottagers ended our run in the end of round of 16. Sorry. And Lewis O'Brien says Middlesbrough players have not given up on championship playoffs this season as he spoke of the special atmosphere in the dressing room. Lewis O'Brien gave a man of the match performance on Saturday as Borough beat Leicester uh, to try and keep their season alive with Michael Carrick's side still outside of looking uh, out side of the top six looking with 14 games remaining. Lewis O'Brien says the boys are all together more than ever to push for the last remaining games. Whoa, Lewis, you got me. Sign me up. Up the borough. That's your headlines. Magpies and proud. Mag News. I've got to say, lads, this has been the hardest Newcastle United headlines I've ever had to do. There's virtually no news. Uh, but the rumour mill has already started spinning with regards who could eventually replace Dan Ashworth in the Newcastle United boardroom, but it may take some time uh, for an equivalent to arrive on Tyneside. Ashworth's now on gardening leave and will serve out his lengthy notice period to fruition unless Manchester United can agree a compensation package with Newcastle. Despite paying the sporting director's salary uh, while he's sidelined, the Magpies are in no rush to appoint a big name to fill Ashworth's shoes until they establish how his future will play out. Eddie Mitchell, the man credited with helping Bournemouth claim the football in Pyramid and bringing Eddie Howe back to the club, has sadly passed away at the age of 69. The former Cherries owner, who was also the club's chairman between 2009 and 2013, helped oversee the club's incredible rise from League Two to the Premier League during his stint at his beloved team. Craig Hope has announced that Alexander Izak and Joe Willock both trained yesterday. That's a huge boost for Newcastle if they can come through the next few days and make the squad for Arsenal. And there's a change for the start time of tonight's under-18 Premier League fixture at Manchester City, which was originally a one o'clock kickoff. That's now been altered to 7pm. The venue remains the City Football Academy. That's in Newcastle headlines on Wednesday morning. Hey, mate, you haven't done bad considering there's now to report. Well done. Thanks, mate. Well done. Thanks, mate. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Similarly, nothing really going on at Sunderland this week. Um, yeah, I've, I've had to rake around and find a couple of stories to put together, so here we go. Michael Beale has broken his silence after his brief unsuccessful reign came to a resounding halt on Wearside. In a short statement, he thanked the players, staff 
and particularly the fans for their recent support of Beale and his family during the home win against Plymouth. In particular, he highlighted the contribution of the players in his disappointment in leaving the club, saying, I'm disappointed to have left Sunderland after a short time at the club. I would like to say a big thank you to the players who were excellent to work with. The squad has a lot of potential and I will follow their progress with great interest in the coming weeks and months. Elsewhere, in a bizarre twist yesterday, some Sunderland fans have discovered what appears to be a burner account uh, on Twitter that has defended the actions of Michael Beale, covering his time at both Rangers and Sunderland. During his tenure at the Black Cats, a Twitter account named player underscore ID routinely defended Beale in conversation with Sunderland supporters. The account defended Beale for not shaking Hume's hand during the defeat of Birmingham and also asked fans who had a stronger squad between him and his predecessor Mowbray. However, eagle-eyed fans have spotted a tweet from 2017 asking X or Twitter users to follow the account dubbed as the new business venture of none other than Beale himself. Since fans have made their alleged discovery, both Michael Beale's Twitter account and the player ID account have subsequently been deleted. It is a mystery. And finally, former Manchester United Dwight York has publicly declared his interest in the now vacant Sunderland managerial job. You couldn't make it up. York, of course, finished his career as a Sunderland player. The ex-United and Villa man told Gambling Zone, I would just like the opportunity to manage Sunderland. I've played for these clubs and it would be a nice, be nice to go back to Sunderland, but it doesn't mean that I'd rule out managing another club in the AFL. I have to be open-minded to the challenge I'd have to uh, take on. So it's day three without a manager and already we're up to eight managers linked with about three months to the end of the season. It's going to be a long process, Sunderland fans. They are your not-so-short headlines. Yeah, don't worry, mate. We had Fabrizio Ravanelli come out and say he wants to be Borough manager. It yeah, happens true. from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, Price, Katie Price is physio. <laughs> what, Fabrizio Ravanelli? What a good lad he is. Uh, yeah, that'll be your headlines we got a bit short up top. <laughs> Oh, what's going on there? I'll that was supposed to do something. That was supposed to do something. The computer's broken. Northeast. You want to hear from me? What's this like, Dance Monkey Boy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the computer's broken. PL respect Andreas Bremer this morning. Uh, the scorer of West Germany's winning goal in the 1990 World Cup passed away yesterday, lads. Um, yeah, rest he, in peace. Was it was an iconic Germany team that wasn't it? I mean, Absolutely. not one that I, not not one that we particularly liked, of course, with the uh, the fact that it um, was was the team that knocked England out that year. But um, yeah, I mean, hell of a player, wasn't he? Yeah, what and what a, like you say, Steve, what a side and what a legacy. It's I mean, robbed at the age of sixty three as well. Like that's no age to go. Is it? I mean, it never is a good time, but a very very young age to lose an absolute icon like that. Yeah. Rest in yeah, it's been a bad year, hasn't it, with Beckenbauer as well. I mean, yeah. obviously. So, um, yeah, and, uh, rest in peace. Only 63 as well. And tell you what, as you get older, you know, 63 is not that old. So, um, yeah, yeah. It, it feels, you know, a little bit too young. But he's always part of the, uh, the you know, the German hearts and also obviously um, FC Bayern Munich as well. Rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I've had two funerals to go to myself, Monday and Tuesday, two days occupied oh, wow. by funerals. Steve Wilkinson, wheelchair Steve, as he was affectionately known, was a, a major player in the uh, Newcastle United uh, Disabled Supporters Association. He set it up, he was the first chairman, and um, he was a, a regular contributor on our podcast, NUFC Matters, on a Wednesday night. Um, sadly, yeah. Cancer um, hit him last year, oh. and uh, he yeah. passed away. And then Kenny Ranson, who um, mm. we met during the years of, uh, uh, well, during the 
Ashley years and, and when we were getting on, on, on the buses and going down to London to, to protest at uh, 10 Downing Street, Kenny was with us, that's when we met him and you know became a good friend after that and uh, yeah he's uh, he's passed away sadly as well with cancer, uh, diagnosed in December and passed away uh, 31st of January, so we were at his funeral yesterday Jeez. but um, yeah sad, sad Sad, sad, sad uh, times this week. But uh, two, 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 two humanist funerals, two great funerals to go to. As far as you know, you know, given the the two guys that, who deserved it a great send off, and um, yeah, but sad, sad couple of days for us. But yeah. Um, yeah, the families have had support, and we wish we wish them both well. Rest in peace, both of them. Isn't it? Isn't it Rest a sign of peace. age though that more and more we're, we're attending between us more and more funerals? Oh, I mean, yeah. I remember, I remember my parents saying to me, you know, there's more and more we're going to more funerals. You know, there's more and more of our friends passing away, yeah. and, and and it's a sign of age. You know that happens when you get old. And now I'm thinking, I'm doing the same. You know, it's yes. yeah. I'm what my parents were 20, 25 years ago. It's like, oh my goodness, yeah, it's catching up. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good uh, at all. But yeah, this it is definitely an age thing. Uh, talking about catching up, lads. Ipswich Town. Uh, last night what a humdinger that yeah. was by the way it was reached mm-hmm. four uh, Rotherham three and uh, two goals in the uh, in, in the extra time period of the game uh, Rotherham with Cafu in the 94th minute which was a penalty and then Hutchinson with the winner in the 95th it was uh, it was it was almost as good as the uh, the Liverpool Newcastle Premier League game all those all those years back but um, yeah Ipswich if I remember rightly I'm sure it was you, Ted, on one of your first shows when you when you joined us permanently. You you mentioned these as a bit of a dark horse. You had a feeling that they would be there or thereabouts, yeah. and and I'm sure Radio Dad. I'm sure you 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 said you fancied them, but you said they they, they, they always drop off. They, yeah, I'd, they seem to be doing they seem to be doing the reverse. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, it's uh, their forms has been a little intermittent, but they have won the last three in the in the championship, which obviously has pushed them back up into the third spot. But I did say when there were when there were points there were only a point or two behind Leicester City, I didn't fancy them, you know, sustaining that run through to the end of the season. And then once Leicester got away from Ipswich, that's when I said Ipswich will finish outside of the top two. The, yeah. Even though they were still in second spot because I just thought that 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 psychology shift between Let's keep battling for first place, and <coughs> let's look over our shoulders to see who's who's, who's catching us up. I think it was going to be yeah. too strong for them, so I still don't see them finishing in the top two, lads. I'll stick with that. Your, no, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm I'll stick with, with that one. Um, the big one for me was Southampton. Um, yeah. Southampton losing. It's like, what on earth's going on there? Yeah, that's uh, what. That's and then you see all the other results around. So Leicester City lost at the weekend, of course. Some some small team in Yorkshire. So we keep being told yeah. by people from Wayside and Tyneside. Um, yeah. You know, did Leicester? Well, you're some loud Aussie. <laughs> Southampton. Southampton's been beaten uh, yep. yesterday, and then West Brom and Hull City. I mean, look at the Hull City result. Um, mm, which yeah. means Borough's ten points away, Sunderland seven yeah, points exactly. away from from sixth makes spot. It, makes it harder for both of us for sure. But it's a great Bowls league. As well. It's it, a great league. Oh, it's incredible. Not that I want to be in there. I'd rather be in the Premiership yeah. with my team. But it's a great yeah. league, and yeah. and just it some is, of those yeah. results. I mean, that Ipswich game itself just shows yeah. you, you know, the likes of Rotherham can really put in a spirited display and almost, well, almost steal something from Ipswich. We won't talk about how they did yeah. against Middlesbrough this season. Um, <laughs> but it just shows you, and, and Steve, I used to gloss over when, I, I think it was you, uh, you'd regularly say, you know, the championship is just so unpredictable. Anybody can beat yeah. anybody. And now I've got to take my cap off and, and bow in your general direction because now I totally agree, I subscribe to it. I mean, look at the fixtures this weekend. Some pivotal games, lads. You know, Leeds, Leicester, for starters. Yep. Um, Massive, Hull, that one. 
Hull versus West Brom this weekend yep. as well. Uh, it, it's a good opportunity for Middlesbrough and Sunderland with two home games yeah. to, to get back into contention. Season's still yeah. over for me. I'm sorry. I don't want to be a doom and gloom monger and people can have a go at me on social media if they want. But I, the season's over. You know, the Borough's got... Uh, the Borough's 10 points adrift and they've got a far inferior goal difference. That's 11 points. Have I got the numbers right? I was looking at it this morning, but it was ridiculous o'clock. So I just want to make sure I've got my stats right here. What are we adrift? Yeah, we are. 10 points adrift currently. They've effectively got to claw back 11 points between now and the end of the season just to stand a chance of finishing in sixth spot. That's what we've got to do, and I think that's too big an ask. You know, let's have a fantastic end of the season. I'm going to shut me gob after this point because I'm talking too but, much. But, but let's to, be fair, to be fair, though, there's always a, a latecomer into the playoff race there's always somebody comes from that chasing pack who will oust sixth position and yeah. it's you know, mm-hmm. it's i still say it's it's within Sunderland and Middlesbrough's makeup and in their squad to do that honestly yep. the, it, it, one of those two teams is capable of going on a run and doing that i do however want to uh, come back to a comment that i raised yesterday uh, about Kiefer Moore being, you know, yes. we've missed out there in terms of Sunderland. So you socials, mate. On yesterday, so you so socials. We had an expert on yesterday who, who who thought that they didn't represent value for money at 31. Mm. That's four goals in five games now, Jimmy Copper. So you're still feeling the same? Because yeah, we're spending bad, 15 grand a week on Bradley flat on his back duck. And uh, yeah, that pretty much would have covered half of the wages. Then obviously, you know, yeah. we got rid of two managers. There's uh, some more money that we're hemorrhaging there. That we could yeah, have quite wrong. feasibly brought Kiefer Moore in. Yeah, I agree. Thirty thousand pounds seems worth it now with four goals in five games and Hull winning as well. I think I, I think the thing for me as well is that it's not only so much. Of, I think Middlesbrough and Sunderland definitely have the squads there to, to be able to catch that pack. It's just that pack is very very good. I mean Ipswich and I mean even Hull now. Look at Hull. I mean, we spoke about them late last week about how much they're spending. I mean, they're overspending their wage bill. So, I mean, they're, they're spending more going out than they have got coming in. But they're doing it and they're taking a punt. They're, they're saying this is the year that we can do it. Uh, and they've got, you know, three or four Premier League loan signings that all performed last week, last night. So, Ryan Giles was in outstanding form down that left. So, you know, they've... they've uh, Rolled the dice, Middlesbrough and Sunderland have decided, you know, we, we said it exactly, Kieran Scott said it on the 12th Man podcast, he said, I'm not, you know, I'm not willing to throw money down the drain. Well, they potentially risked throwing money down the drain. And at the moment, Ipswich and, and Hull City's, uh, you know, rolling the dice of that money uh, is paying off. Coventry, Preston play each other this weekend as well, lads. I mean, Coventry in seventh, Preston in ninth. So this this is the weekend that you've got to take advantage of things. You know, you've you've got to you've got to use your you've, you've got to use your advantage with the home games. If you can both get a win this weekend, it puts you straight back and it puts Borough on forty-seven. I know Dave says that they're out of it, but it they puts are. Sunderland back in on fifty. You know, Steve, I've got to look at I've got to look at current form for my boys. Look, it could be in half, and I bleed MFC. I really do. But I know it doesn't sound like it this morning, and and for the last you know the last week or two on this show but you know Borough's current form one win in five you know one one drawn two lost two look above them when you when you start getting into the meat of this chase for, for sixth spot Preston unbeaten in five three wins two draws Norwich City three wins and a draw in their last five you know even Coventry have gone on a bit of a slump compared to what they were doing you know only one loss in the last five Hull City four wins out of the last five West Brom Three wins and a draw out of the last five. On current form alone, the borough's not going to make up any, any any difference. So, yeah, I'd love to see us get in to the final, you know, playoff shakeup. But I just think injuries have taken.
taken their toll massively in the last three months. That's been a oh, huge wrong. part of, of, of what's, what's gone wrong for the Borough on the yeah. pitch. We didn't get the names and the signings that we needed to bolster that squad, which, which was th- it was completely threadbare. At one point, yeah. we had 11 players on the pitch, but a bench full of youngsters competing in the championship. You know, that's how bad it got. We had 14 first-team regulars who regularly play in the first team out. That's massively taken its toll. Um, and, and I just think it's too big an ask. I know the Borough's got a game in hand. If they beat Birmingham, and that is now no longer, you know, a gimme. If they beat Birmingham, they then sit, sit with with Sunderland seven points adrift as we currently stand. But again, for the Borough, it's eight because of the inferior goal difference. They won't make that up yeah. between now and the end of the season. So, you know, I'd love us to be there. Let's go on that 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 Coventry-esque run, that Nottingham Forest-esque run till the end of the season. That would be absolutely amazing. And we get in there and with, a, with the high-flying birds, to nick a Gallagher phrase, and uh, and we make it into the playoffs as the informed team. I'd love that. You know, I'd get the prayer mat yeah, out I'm now and 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 start yeah. and start saying my prayers for that up. to happen. And but I just don't see it happen. I've got to be a realist. While it's mathematically possible, I'll never give up. Exactly. What do yeah, we do? Be optimistic, guys. Do you know when we get a WhatsApp? We go WhatsApp. What do we do? No, when we get a, what, we, what do we do when we get a Facebook Messenger post? Facebook. No, <laughs> I can't remember that one, mate. There you can't go. remember that one. I'd rather do that Welsh place name. Uh, it's it's Stu Golly who's listening to us in Canada. Hiya, Stu. What on earth are you doing awake at this time? Morning, um, mate. He's just sent a message through saying, "I'm with you, Dave. The injury list uh, did it for us a long time ago. We've seen it all. Yeah, we've seen it all before. It's not new to us. Thanks, Stu. Good to have you with us this morning I or morning, were happy this evening. <laughs> he's in. He's eight hours he's behind. Happy. Let's work it out. Also, it's still yesterday." It's still yesterday Whoa. with you. Oh, yeah. It's you tomorrow with Rye. What a truly international <laughs> show this is. <laughs> is he you're saying you thought Canadians were happy. He's been listening. He's been catching up on the last few shows. Ah, it's a Borough fan. Oh, I got, I got, I got. He's just come back. Actually, who's that? He's suggesting <laughs> for first. <laughs> <messages. laughs> oh, like, who's that? Yeah, that's good. Premier League, uh, Premier League lads, we'll just have a quick look at that. Um, Manchester City were in action last night against Brentford. Um, it was a painful watch, if I'm perfectly honest. And it was yeah. uh, credit to Brentford. Um, you know, you've got two ways of playing Man City. You either go for it and you, you know potentially cop uh, a hiding, or you, you you defend you know as if your life depended on it to keep the score down, which was probably what Brentford did well last night. But um, Haaland, it was born of frustration that goal. I've got to be honest. He just surged through, um, you know, bypassed you know the the defenders as if they weren't there, and slotted the ball in the bottom corner to give his team a one nil win mm. uh, and put them firmly in second place, a point ahead of Arsenal, a point behind Liverpool. Three goals, the difference at this moment in time. It's all to play for at the at the top of the Premier League. I still think Man City will win it, and despite the the results of the weekend, which saw Man City drop two points, of course, and gave Liverpool a, a slight advantage. But watching both teams over the course of the last few weeks, I still think Man City. Uh, I don't think that I don't think they've hit top form yet, and I think that it's going to take a little bit more time for De Bruyne and and, and Haaland to find their feet again after the long term injuries that they sustained. 
uh, for them to get back into the flow of things. Liverpool, I mean, Newcastle's had a, a, a fairly big injury list, I'd say, most of the season, lads. You'd think the, the, the coverage on TV and the media, you'd think Liverpool had had this injury list all season. I mean, yeah, they've lost a few players in the course of the last few weeks, but I think that might that might tell against them, to be to be, to be perfectly honest. They seem to be losing, they're losing some key players at key parts of the season. They've got the Carabao Cup final, of course, coming up this weekend. Um, but I think I still think Man City's going to win this league. What's your thoughts, Ted, on this? I, I still think they're far too strong. I mean, look, it's it's testament of a side when they can play not badly, but scrap away at results like that. Brentford, Brentford are, 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 are everybody's banana skin. Brentford are a good side. You know, it's it, I think they've they've now probably shaken this image of being you know the the minnows of the Premier League and all that sort of thing. They run well. Uh, they're coached extremely well. Um, how a, how a big club hasn't gone in for him yet is is beyond me. But that that's not out of the question, I suppose. They're a very organised, very difficult team to beat. And you know, I think scrapping away and getting a one nil win down uh, against Brentford, sorry, at even at home, it's it's not a bad result because they they can threaten, they can hurt you with the likes of Tony. Uh, they've got a very very strong midfield as well. I I think that's that's the sort of game that wins your Premier League titles. Um, I see that as a massive plus. Yeah, you're right. It was it was awful. I mean, I've, I've got to be dead honest with you. I turned it off and I watched some Toast of London instead. Like with with, with the misses, it was it was that difficult. To Is that watch. like watching Page um, Eye, watching Toast? <laughs> to- watching Toast of London, mate. If you've never seen Toast of London, you need to change your telly habits. It's amazing, absolutely. That amazing. one flew above but his that's head, by didn't, the it? Pie. didn't it? That's flew yeah, above it his head. No, it yeah, didn't. Yeah, it, didn't yeah, it was yeah, just no, a crap joke, yeah, and yeah. I was trying to help you out. Oh, um, thanks, mate. <laughs> appreciate the help. By the way, by the way, but now, but now that you've drawn attention to it, Stuart <laughs> Stu in British Columbia has come back and said, "Nice to see Ted happy two days in a row." It's, oh, thank you very much, mate. <laughs> yeah, it does nothing happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm often on my mood swing being a Sunderland fan. Like, well, there you go. Um, no, listen, uh, that was uh, not a great performance, but a winning performance, Steve. And, and that's what it takes. Uh, Man City are arguably one of the most attractive teams to watch when De Bruyne is in full flow, when Haaland's you know, doing his thing as well. The, when everything clicks for Man City, they're an absolute delight to watch. Absolutely, 100%. But... When you get tough games against the likes of Brentford, who are you know mid-table looking to get into the, the the upper echelons now, you take those battling wins and you move on and you win trophies. Why didn't De Bruyne come on? Do you reckon it was? Is it just holding him back so he, he doesn't yeah. push his return yeah. too quickly? Doesn't because yeah, yeah. he's he's a massive yeah. massive impact player. I mean, irrespective yeah. of whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench, he makes a difference to uh, yeah. to Man City. Yeah, hundred yeah, no, percent. I think he's just been very I careful with him, isn't he? Yeah. Right. He's been really yeah, careful. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just easing him back in. I mean, uh, Man City have now got. Uh, let's look ahead. Obviously, they've got uh, Bournemouth next um, at uh, away, which you know is, is no tricky feat. Uh, then they've got FA Cup as well, uh, and then they've got obviously Champions League into the round of sixteen as well. So they've got you know they've got a lot more bigger things coming, and I think they. Uh, Pep thought he could get a, get away with it. I love the headline this morning as well when we woke up seeing. Uh, uh, don't criticise Holland. He will shut your mouth is all on the back papers this morning <laughs> as you wake up and read your coffee. So, because um, there has been a bit of criticism around him. Uh, obviously, you know, he's been injured and he hasn't been finding the back of the net. And it's funny when you get a striker as good as Holland, as soon as he doesn't score one, you go, like, well, what's wrong with him? Sort of thing where 
you know, you, 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 we, you look down the championship and uh, you'd ask a lot more of the, some of the strikers in the championship because none of them score. So um, it's incredible. And I think, you know, Pep's just man management skills. I mean, that's what he's so good at, isn't it? At the core of, of Pep's, you know, style is his management skills. It's his, it's his charisma. It's his ability to know when to rest, you know, who to play um, and, and get the best out of them no matter what sort of the situation. And he did that again last night with Haaland scoring, which, you know, his confidence now sky high. Um, and then, you know, they're sitting firmly in second with, you know, more games to play. So, yeah, I think you're right, Steve. I think it's Man City's, um, they're, they're going to storm home now. May you moment, I'm telling you, um, because I've been tipping City even when they were off the pace um, before yeah. before we got to Christmas and New Year that they would come good because they do in the second half. I'd love to remember who, and I just can't, I'd love to remember who came out with that phrase of winning ugly. But it is true, isn't it? If you can win ugly when you're yeah. not at your best, you're missing your key yeah, players, exactly, but you continue yeah. to scrape wins. That is the sign yeah. of a great team because, you know, yeah. De Bruyne is going to be thrown back into the mix any moment now. And that's going to yeah. be completely transformed the team. It's going to be back to the city that, you know, that we remember over the last handful of years who just demolished teams, play them off the park. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a real attractive brand of football. But if they can scrape yeah. past a tricky Brentford when they have key players missing, then they're... Sorry, Red fans. And I know I've got a lot of, lot of mates who are Liverpool fans, but sorry, it's, it's City's title for me. Yeah, mm, it'll be yeah, decided on March the 10th anyway. Yeah. After yeah, yeah, I, play Liverpool. That that's the big game, yeah, hundred percent. But it's uh, yeah, huge, huge interest in, in in the Premier League, of course, and in the Championship on this show. We'll keep you updated on the Northeast Footy Brighty Show. It is seven thirty. Time for uh, some news headlines and some weather. Together across the northeast. The cat and the red. Okay, we're going to squeeze these in while Canada's west coast of Canada's still awake. Stu's wants to know. Uh, oh, uh, sorry, who's that? There you go. Uh, Stu, <laughs> Stu wants to know um, what the fact uh, does Ted think uh, the Macams are looking at management-wise? Who do you want, mate? It's a tough one. This, I mean, there's there's so many out there at this moment in time. You, part of me wants to say Steve Cooper because he's got the the experience of the championship and taking a club out of the championship and into the Premier League. Well, go for New Warnock. Also, getting them to to, to yeah. survive that first season as well, which is massively important. That experience yeah, is massive. invaluable. Yeah. But then the the other part of me uh, that, that recognises, you know. Youth and exuberance, and, and these new sort of um, attacking methods of football, will still is also high on my list. I, I would love to see him there. So I don't know somewhere between that. I know um, I know Steve mentioned Kevin Phillips yesterday. It's yeah. a romantic notion, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Doing well at pools. Did he well, is did well at South Shields. Very very well. Doing I think, well I think at a lot, of, a lot of Sunderland fans would be very nervous about that one because it's a club legend coming back to manage and risk yeah. tarnishing that that legacy that you've left and it's the yeah. fact that he's still not a recognised and experienced uh, manager as yet and it's yes alright he's, he's going about it the right way but and I'm just playing devil's advocate here you're not going to please everybody with any appointment anyway it's no, you know, no. no matter which football team we're talking about but yeah so I, I think Kevin Phillips might just be out of the question unless unless he comes in with an experienced head uh, and he almost comes in as a as a, a number two, or or even like you know um, somebody like a Peter Reid character to come in as his number two That's would be fantastic. Spooky. That's spooky because I was thinking about Reedy just yesterday. Could he come yeah. in and help a new manager? 
Um, I think so. I think really somebody spooky. like a, a Reed and Phillips um, yep. combo would, would, would benefit the club very much so. Yeah. Reedy, yeah. a friend of Never the show, of course, out. and uh, we've had him on, haven't we, in the past? And yeah, uh, we'll, yeah. I'll tell you what, we'll see if we can get. Oh, right, okay. You'd have been, you'd have been sitting there bumbling, <laughs> not getting your words out, would you, mate? <laughs> no, no, that'd be all right. <laughs> I was going to sing him a song. I was going to sing him a song, but I got bit your word, brain. Oh, well, we asked him. He came out with that one, didn't he? Do you remember that? Yeah, he came out. I remember that. He said he liked. He actually got on well with Newcastle fans, but he thought it was a bit rich them singing about him having a monkey's heed. That's what he said. Words, not uh, mine, yeah. you know. Uh, we're, we're, just, did, we're just yeah. paraphrasing, but uh, uh, we'll yeah. see if we can get Kev on actually because Kev's doing a great job at Hartlepool. We'll, uh, is, yeah, we'll reach I'm out and see if he'll come impressed. on and have a chat with us on the Brecky show. Because, Put a good uh, burner account on X as well. Yeah, <laughs> imagine <laughs> how many other people have got burner accounts on X. How many other? There will be well, a few. Right, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right. I'll tell you a short, short story. Then we'll move. On. Sorry, once Steve, upon a time there was a manager. Yeah. I think I must have been in what my early thirties, and it was it was in the infancy of Twitter and all that sort of thing, and kind of like I didn't really know much about it. But I I'm I'm rather fond of the fact that I'm blocked by um, Sir Alan Sugar. Um, yes, and I'm also blocked by sixty six percent of Endubs. Sixty six percent. Well, we've been stalking yes, these people. No, no, no! I just, um, just when they saw something, I must have been following something else that had retweeted about Endubs. You must have been full uh, of alcohol. And they were saying, "Who wants to hear some new material from us?" And um, I, I, I gave them several reasons why that was a bad idea. Um, <laughs> yes. And tune in tomorrow with our special guest, Endubs, live yeah, yeah, in the yeah, studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Dappy coming on, Nana Nai. <laughs> <laughs> I could really show my age here and say who's end dubs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a joke, fellas. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, the Sansa right. stuff. Yeah. What do you think about? Let, let's get your views on this one, lads. Mark Clattenburg, um, the ex Premier League uh, official who is uh, currently officiating on gladiators uh, at the <laughs> moment. Um, he's getting a few. He's getting a few jobs, isn't he? Since he uh, retired, since he came back he from is. the Gulf, yeah. Exactly. So the 48-year-old will be available for advice should Forrest boss Nuno Espirito Santo want to consult him on specific issues. Now, Gary Neville's weighed into him on uh, Sky about this. He's not happy at all. Um, he's not going to be used to coach Nottingham Forest's players, um, but he is going to give them advice on how to prepare for them to be uh, better behaved, I guess, and to avoid negative refereeing decisions. Um, he's been appointed the, the, the correct title as referee analyst at the Premier League club. This is a this is a new this is a new idea I guess by by Notts Forest. I mean it's groundbreaking um, certainly in the Premier League. I've, I've not heard of ever of anything like not this. Not completely. Right. Okay. Premier so League. Yes. Premier idea. League. Give yes. Give us some idea. Um, well, there is a, there is a history of uh, well let's talk Premier League. There's a history of at the start of a football season the Premier League referees do the rounds and they go into clubs and they explain law changes how they're going to apply the laws that sort of stuff. So it's not the first time current existing Premier League referees have gone into Premier League clubs and given advice. Now I know this is different. This is this is almost as a, a referee's advisor this position, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was involved when I was when I, when I moved across to Asia and I was refereeing out in Asia. I was involved in 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 going into clubs and giving them advice. And them that advice is around, yeah, it's it's laws of the games, it's changing, it's that sort of stuff. It, but it's also letting them know how referees interpret things, how re referees apply things on the pitch. 
and it does lead to questions from players and from managers to say well okay then how can we circumvent how can we get around these issues what advice would you give us for our um, our behavior on the pitch and that sort of stuff so you know referees have been involved in giving advice to clubs um, other than just strict these are the law changes guys you need to get used to them so it's not entirely new that a referee can go into a football club and advise however you're dead right Steve this position of ha almost having an on-call advisor to talk to and chat through decisions that have been made on the field whether they can um, appeal all that sort of stuff is brand new certainly for the Premier League yeah, I mean, look, Clattenburg is now going to attend every Forest match going forward, Rai. He's going to be in the director's box. Um, he's he's not going to be granted any special dispensation from the PGMOL, who communicate on a weekly basis with the club secretaries and the other officials at the at the club. Um, but it seems like Forest have brought him in because they're, they're unhappy with a couple of controversial decisions that have gone against them. And, um, you know, I, I guess he, he just he, he's coming in to educate, you know, educate... <laughs> educate the, the 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 players i guess i mean there, there are a few confusing rules in the premier league shall we say things which used to be simple and now complicated is this a good move do you think we'll see more of this it's, it's a weird one i think obviously as we move through new technology with referees there's got to be a better understanding from the players maybe young and old uh, of what the new rules and what it could mean and, and maybe you know if they are you know if they look at their fouls and they've got one of the highest records in the premier league then of course you know, they, you would try and do anything as a coach to try and, you know, rectify that. If they, if they are committing fouls that, you know, left, right and centre, then if they can get that out of the game, then maybe, you know, Nuno says that's one of the parts that, you know, if we, we turn that around, lads, then we're going to be okay. But I don't see how Clattenburg's going to fix that. I mean, if I was, you know, the PGO, PGMOL now looking in, I mean, they're going to have... You know, they're going to have these letters written from Nottingham Forest signed Mark Clattenburg and it's just going to be like, oh, not this bloke again. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know what it, what he does. I, I can understand it from a playing, from a player's teaching point of view. If they say, right, on the on a Monday morning, right, let's have a look at all the fouls committed on the weekend with Mark Clattenburg here. Uh, Mark, take the, you know, protect the projector and the stick sort of thing. Um, and, and then maybe they go through that. I can see that being beneficial. I think sitting down, I, th I know I know watching the Newcastle game, Steve, there was um, that controversial penalty, which I don't think was a penalty anyway, but, you know, that's the type of stuff that they might need explaining to of why that wasn't a penalty. That's what, what you mean, the game, our game at the weekend, do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll Against come on to that. Then. Hold that yeah. thought. We will come on to that. Ted, right. I just want to get yeah. your views on this. Um, Dermot Gallagher. Um, of course, who, mm -hmm. who does it as a pundit on Sky? Um, he was asked about um, X Factor. <laughs> he was asked about what his uh, he was asked what his opinion was about Clattenburg going into Forest. Um, he he just doesn't understand what on earth he can do. Um, he gave the example of Morgan Gibbs White decision at the weekend. He says, yeah, exactly. He says if he feels that's a penalty and he tells the players it's a penalty, what can that achieve? Most of the players will think exactly. it's a penalty already, so they don't need him to confirm it. He went on to say, unless he's going to talk to them about how they discipline themselves on the field and avoid yellow cards for technical things and such like, I don't really see what else he can do. So it doesn't seem like it's gone down too well with the uh, the ex uh, you know the ex referee brigade either. I never thought in a million years I would agree with Dermot Gallagher. Um, but, so that's that's groundbreaking radio right there. Um, yeah, it's just the most bizarre appointment because, for one, Forrest just need to have a, an honest conversation with themselves and go, well, 
if we're breaking the rules there, we need to cut that out. And it's a conversation that a coach has with his players. The rest of it, I mean, other than that, and, and other than kind of maybe a one-off talk with them, like, you know, like what like what Dave's just mentioned there, um, you know, like a, a, have a review, maybe just talk about some of the technical finer points of the game where, look, you, you'll need to watch out for this kind of thing because the referee is within his rights to give you a booking for it. That that kind of thing, you know, whether it's catching the ball on the pitch, which is, you know, the, uh, who was it, who, which manager got sent off for that at the weekend? Was it the Brighton coach? Yeah. Yeah, so, was, so yeah. little things like that. That's a one-off talk, though. That's not a position within the club. I mean, other than maybe trying to look out for one or two of the youth players who are not going to make it as footballers and get them on gladiators, I just don't see the sense of, uh, of this appointment at all. It's lunacy. I don't think it's so. Yet again, it's Forrest spending money that they really should be careful about on nout. I think they've got. I think he's got stuff he can do. Um, I've got to disagree, uh, but then maybe I would do being a former referee because right, you're in the union. Absolutely <laughs> not anymore. I'm not man, not registered. I was asked yesterday if I'll put the boots back on and pick the whistle up, and I said, Nah, not registered. Right. Um, no, I think there is. I think there is the stuff he can do. I think, I think. I think the reason why he's probably attending all games is because they can then use him as a sounding board if there is disciplinary action that's been taken, um, and they can get a referee's view uh, on on yeah. how the process of uh, appeals, what's worth appealing, what's not worth appealing, would work, and give us evidence, Mark, to present to an appeal panel to appeal this red card. Uh, this this uh, you can't hardly appeal a yellow card unless it's a, a case of mistaken identity but certainly he'd be useful in red card situations mm. um, he'd also be useful in the psychology of this how do you deal with referees on the field uh, and I have been involved in conversations with, with professional clubs where it's like disarm the referee straight away call him by his first name mm. Don't don't bark in his lugs all the time because next time there's a 50-50 decision, he's going to give it against you because you've hacked him off for constantly screaming at him. You know, really disarm him in those those high pressure situations. So it almost flung, flummoxes the guy. But this is more psychology and how to manage a referee and try and get the best from a decision making perspective on your side when there are these grey 50-50 decisions so he could work on the players on a regular basis like that and give examples of where they've let themselves down where it's worked um, he can talk about and he can coach them regularly when incidents happen like handball what's this new t-shirt rule where is a handball not a handball how to how to protest immediately to a referee and, and claim innocence and there's all this sort of stuff he can do on a regular basis and keep updating the players so I think there is a role for this and I'm absolutely 100% certain PGMOL will hate it. They will absolutely detest it like a vampire hates a, a, a stake through the heart because it's revealing the innermost secrets of the sanctum of the closed shop. Breaking the magician's it's like It's like understanding, you know, we, I'll still use we even though I'm not registered, uh, you know, we have a set of, of, of almost uh, discrete signalling that we do on a field between referee assistant referees uh, fourth officials which ah, you would, you, yes, you guys language. you guys that's the one you guys would never look for players would never look for coaches would never look for but you can you can see exactly what's going to be given before a referee before a referee blows his whistle before an assistant referee puts his flag up you can you can see why the whistle's been blown or why uh, uh, an assistant referee's got involved, because there are discrete signals between match officials. Now, if players get to know about that and start reading that, they know exactly who's given it between the three on the field and the one on the sideline. You know, why they've given it, 
So you can, you can, you, you've you've got every right then to go up to the referee and say, "Are you sure that was a handball by number four or whatever it was?" You know. So there's all of this coaching that can go on. Clubs have attacking coaches, defensive coaches, um, goalkeeping coaches, set play coaches, free kick coaches. All of this now, it's ridiculous. Why not have a referee coach for the players' benefit and the mm. manager's benefit? Any advantage is an advantage. Yeah, and and that goes back to Sam Allardyce. Sam Allardyce mm. is an absolute master, was an absolute master of looking at the law changes as soon as they come ra- come out and getting yeah. getting into a huddle with his coaches and saying, how can we circumvent these? What can yeah, we do yeah. to, to give us, even if it might be for the first month of a season before everybody cottons onto what we're doing, give us that yeah. advantage in the first handful of games? You know, yeah, why not fine, have yeah. why not have that referee in your camp? who'll say, these are law changes, guys. This is exactly what PGMOL are going to tell their referees on how to apply them. So how can we get round these initially? How can we give ourselves an unfair advantage at the start of a season while everybody else is playing catch-up? So I think he has got a role to play. Mm. Okay. Um, Right, you mentioned earlier you didn't think it was a penalty for for Newcastle at the weekend. Why didn't you think it was a penalty? No, no, no. Nottingham Forest, sorry. Not yours. Ah, right. Yeah, not, not yours. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm talking about... It, with, with bringing a referee in, so I'm talking about Nottingham Forest. Uh, was it Am- Amoemi that went down? Was it more? I'm not too sure, but there was one where Nottingham Forest had one. Against White situation. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they had it, you know. And I think that there's, you know, they want clarity around that. that you know, they want to come off the pitch and go, why wasn't that a penalty? Because you know, we're sick of not getting penalties, sort of thing. So I think that's what I'm sort of alluding to is that. Um, I think that Nottingham Forest, you know, if that's what they're trying to do, it's, it's trying to get answers around why that's not a penalty. I mean, I, I don't, I, I can't see going back. Uh, I think moving forwards, like like Dave said, if there's if there's advantages, I think it's like a money, like you guys know the money, uh, the movie Moneyball, uh, where yeah. the, you know, they, they circumvented Just the- Just watch that in the last two weeks, mate. Watch it again in the yeah, last yeah, two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. The so wife it's like that, it. do you know what I mean? It's a different style of, of recruitment. It's a different style of trying to get an advantage in a in a very competitive market isn't it so you know and so you know if they can get an advantage through mark clattenberg being in their ranks and if then you know even if it's a one percenter like dave said even if it's right lads hit they've given you there's an extra yard in offside here that you can play with blah 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 blah, whatever it is and if it results in a goal or two then oh, brilliant you know I, w- I would you know i would beg a belief anyone else that doesn't do that and if it starts to see nottingham forest getting more decisions in their way or anything like that then you bet your bottom dollar there'll be other teams that cotton onto it as well so but if it's purely uh, in the retrospective thing when they, they have like that shout on the weekend with Morgan Gibbs why and you know why was that a penalty and he goes well this is why and then they go oh okay and they understand it a bit better then I just think that's pointless I mean there's no there's no point looking backwards you know there's, there's only you know only ways to look not forward. just encourage them to cheat better though well yeah I mean <laughs> it does but it's still but, but it's within the laws of the they're doing it within the laws of the game then do you know what I mean because they've got Mark Clattenburg who's reading who knows the book he knows like Dave he knows the law, letter of not the law so it's not right. cheating if, if, if it's within if the book can, you know what I mean if they can find the way to, to evade a referee's attention with something like that if Clattenburg can like sort of well yeah this is the rule but this is how you get around it it's an additional it's, it's an insight into how the referees will apply the laws of the game so if you can get in it's like anything isn't it it's like Arsene Wenger came into Arsenal changed the diet basically the social fabric of all his professional footballers yeah, and yeah. they got they gained an immediate advantage it's nothing different to that it's thinking the outside of the box a bit. Enough without, without us having to interfere and bring referees 
freezing. I think it's ridiculous. The, the, yeah. the game has absolutely gone nuts if we're having to bring referees into the coaching team. That's ridiculous. I, I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's a psychological thing, isn't it? It's the kind of thing where I mean, Nuno, I suppose, could probably have him on the bench. You know what I mean? And yeah, almost standing there, you know, standing there whispering in his ear. I mean, imagine that <laughs> against that imagine that against Klopp or Arteta. That would be hilarious. Wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be. Good job. That Good job. Good job. Jeff Winter and Sir Alex Ferguson have both retired from the game. They didn't see eye to eye. Michael Carrick appointed. You know, Jeff Winter would be great crack to have on, on your bench. Yeah. I mean, oh, even as a Macaman or that, he'd be oh, absolutely be dynamite to have around your players. Oh, oh we should get yeah. him on. We should get him on and see if he Maybe fancies soon. going into one of the clubs as a as a referee yes. advisor. We should, oh, Jeff. Yes. Jeff, are you around? Are you around? Still, Jeff? Got block, still got me blocked on Twitter. Still got me blocked. On <laughs> we should do a special. We should do a special show on who has blocked you on Twitter. There you go. Sounding like there's some there's some stuff here that needs unearthing, boys, on the northeast footy break. It would be a lot shorter than who I've blocked on Twitter. I believe you. <laughs> uh, we've got about eight minutes till the news. I mean, talking about referees and officials, well, the, the latest PTMOL. Fine, standing gen- gentleman. Latest mic'd up uh, was released last night, which I had time to listen to. And um, obviously, Newcastle's game at the weekend, we were we were waiting for about six minutes uh, for a decision to be made. It, it, uh, we've said it on, I've said it on here quite a few times. It, it, it's made more frustrating by the fact that 60% of the stadium can't see the only screen that we've got in the stadium so you know unless Rob Byer and the stadium announcer makes an announcement that there's a VAR decision you know you're, you're left second guessing what an exact what exactly is going on um, but you know Newcastle's uh, attack um, you know on the Bournemouth goal was was flagged offside as a free kick um, as the free kick was played sorry and uh, Fabian Scher had also gone down in the area Bournemouth's Adam Smith had pulled his shirt which which was blatantly obvious to me I was watching the players I wasn't watching the linesman uh, the, the referee's assistant as he's known now and Shaw was in an offside position um, but he hadn't committed an offside offence um, and that is the reason that Newcastle's goal stood so it, it's a simple explanation I think it becomes it becomes obvious when you hear it like that but it, in real time that's the issue lads when you're watching it in real time you know it, it would have been impossible for a referee and a and a and an assistant referee to get that mm. decision right without the, without the aid of var so i've got to be honest var despite the fact it took six minutes or seven minutes possibly at the weekend they did get the right decision um it's, it's a rare case it's a rare case of us coming away and actually <laughs> saying well okay it might have took some time but that was crucial because had that goal been disallowed in real time without VAR, Newcastle probably would have lost that game and that would have been the end of that, you know? So that's gained Newcastle a point. Um, Howard Webb, I listened to what he had to say um, as he explained it on, on the on the playback yesterday and he, he described it as an unusual situation, um, basically because the law specifically allocates some wording around this particular type of situation he said for an offside offence to be committed the player in an offside position has to challenge for the ball or play the ball and just being in an offside position itself is not necessarily an offence so the law stipulates that a player who's in an offside position who is moving towards the ball with no intention of playing the ball at some point is then fouled by an opponent prior to attempting to play the ball is the foul that gets penalised because that occurred before the action by the attacker that would commit the offside offence and 
obviously as they played it through they're showing Fabian Cher go through you know the offside position but it's showing that the shirt is clearly pulled and because it's a sustained holding offence it starts outside the box and it continues inside that's why it was given but you know I just, I just wish they could quicken it up right it's you know six yeah. seven minutes the problem that you've got with that is that we're all celebrating you know we're, you, you know people people celebrate goals or you know that you know whatever and, and it, it kills the atmosphere it strips the emotion it strips the yeah, emotion yeah. yeah because because literally then we're all standing there like tins of milk waiting for a decision to be made in yeah. some ways in some ways it builds the expectation up because I think what's starting to happen now is that we all as, as, as the clock passes the second minute the third minute the fourth minute we're all starting to get the feeling that okay he's going to go to the monitor and we know what happens when you go to the monitor there's only Michael Oliver's got the balls to, to change it um, every other referee in the history of VAR in the Premier League has, has basically gone with what the VAR have said and changed his mind yeah. so you know it's it, 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 I guess we, we have this almost pantomime kind of you know oh, it's going to change it's going to change yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know so you do get a bit of euphoria and especially in the situation that we had there where it's a penalty so Ben Anthony Gordon steps up and slots it in the bottom corner but it, it it's changed it has changed the whole the whole mindset of a football supporter now and yeah I, I, I mean what's your views I'm, I, I, I'll praise VAR for that at the weekend they, they got it right and it was it was an extremely hard one to call because of the complicated rule that's in place can I ask you a question yeah, like, before the lads before the lads answer? Yeah, yeah. Can I just ask you a question? What would you have ra- what would you rather have? Uninterrupted, yeah. non-stripping of emotion out of a game, but the decision yeah. going against Newcastle in that case. Yeah. Or absolutely bleaching any emotion from the situation, but getting a decision seven minutes after in your favour. I've got to be honest. I'm like Eddie Howe in this respect. I'd rather go back to not having VAR. Um, I think the I think the the ball line technology is superb. You know that that's only really failed once because it wasn't switched on in the Premier League. Um, but other than that, you know VAR is just it, it's killing the atmosphere of the, at the grounds. The, the atmosphere was the atmosphere was massively affected by all seater stadiums, but VAR is now killing the spontaneity and the emotion. And it, it is it is a fact that everything does balance out, Dave. Um, it did balance out over the course of a season for me and. Uh, you know, in in search for perfection, we're not going to get it because there is human error and there is there is there is multiple camera angles. And I think the key, which we'll keep hammering on about, is that slowing down particular offences, handballs, for instance, make them look like a handball. There was a couple of occasions again that VAR got right over the weekend where it was slowed right down, and although it looked like a deliberate handball by a player, it clearly wasn't. Um, and and the referees got it right again, and VAR got it right. But it was, it, you know, I, I would prefer to go back to the days when there was no VAR and and just go with, you know, it is what it is. If you looks in, you looks in. It's a level playing field then, because at the moment it's not a level playing field. And again, certain cup competitions we don't have VAR. Certain leagues, championship, for instance, down over don't have VAR. I just think it's it's an unlevel playing field, and unless everybody can have VAR. And we all suffer the same. Then you know, I, I think we should. I think we should scrap it. I, I still haven't changed my mind on that. Right? Mm, your I, thoughts, I, it's your interesting. Thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting because I. Um, I mean, we don't experience it in the championship week in week out, so I don't know what it's what honestly life is like with it or without it. But 
I mean, I liked Ted's reasoning. I think it was Ted that, that shared it on social media um, about why it took so long for Newcastle to get the, re- the VAR review. Ted, what was that reasoning? Um, something about sending the review air. to... I absolutely... The secrets of that WhatsApp group we don't talk about are coming out. It wasn't me that said it. It wasn't me that said it. It was something you shared. It was a Villa fan group. You notice I didn't like it. I didn't laugh at it. I didn't put a thumb up. Anything to do yeah, with that so no, is poison. Yeah, not wrong. I think it's. Um, I think it's. You know, look, it's something that you know they've got to get it right. And if, I guess if, if you would rather wait 14, 15 minutes for them to get it right than for to rush it seven minutes and get it wrong, and then you've got a, you know, the Liverpool drama all over again where you get the audio released and yada yada yada. So yeah, it needs to be sped up. I don't know how they do that. Um, and I think you know we need to be hearing. And I know they've spoken about this in the recent releases. But I think the fans within the stadium especially need to be hearing the discussions that are being taken place. Now, obviously, just so they can hear what's going on and why it's taking so long. Because when you're in the stadium, when you're on TV, you can see it being replayed and you get different angles. And it doesn't it doesn't make it as bad as it does when you're sitting there in the stadium waiting with no idea what's going on unless you've got an earpiece in or anything like that. So they need to share the audio with the, with the fans. I don't know if they'll ever do that, Dave. I don't know what's if that's something you would ever want want to share with the fans just on that subject it's a brilliant uh, segue mate well done you'd think we'd planned this to go into a comment from barry which is why should fans not understand what refs and linesmen are saying what do they have to hide uh more mm-hmm. it's uh, you know it's more obvious in other sports so i think he's looking at the american football model where they do yeah, make the announcements yeah, they, in talk, the they talk to us yeah. yeah you hear it exactly yeah they got they got the mic they can we saw it in the super bowl you knew exactly what was going on I mean, you knew that Taylor Swift was, you know, blowing kisses to Travis Kelsey at any stage during that game. So, um, and adding three hundred and fifty million dollars to the NFL's not wrong, not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Quick, quick view. We're just over eight o'clock. Quick view, Ted, on the uh, on on this VAR situation. Well, it's I haven't changed my mind at all. Um, I I just feel like we're we're being sleepwalked into having advertising breaks, and they they've got no real sort of a desire or appetite to, to speed these decisions up. Um, it's going to cause more injuries, but at least you'll be able to sell that time for a few adverts, eh, lads? Yeah. Cynic. Cynic. News. Cynic. Just before we do news, I think we've just come to the conclusion, haven't we, boys? There's one thing I love in this world, and it's my... <laughs> yes. There's one thing that hurts me. Okay, oh, one, one day we might, one day we might play it in its entirety. Uh, the Northeast Footy Breakfast shows we hate VAR. That didn't get to number one, but there you go. No, uh, it didn't. Uh, yeah, it didn't. so thanks for that. And by the way, Barry has uh, has added: uh, Is Dwight York not a potential manager for the job? I think he's he's asking Ted. Uh, he'd get the fans. He'd get the club. By the way, great show, lad. So, Steve, hit us with that word. News. The Red, the Toon, the Cat, Weather. In true Steve style, weather. That's what you've got. It's damp. That's your weather forecast. No, I'll give you a bit more. Uh, cloudy morning, outbreaks of rain, brisk winds. It is going to tend to become drier and brighter into the afternoon with sunny spells as the day progresses. 13 Celsius the high uh, today. But that cold front comes in. It's getting chilly, boys and girls, for the next few days. Uh, it will be dry initially with clear spells. Uh, cloud will build, but minimums three celsius that's not good that's not good from yarm to yibby herrington to horsley hill 
Swarwell to Silverlink. The Northeast Footy Breakfast with Rye, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red platoon and the cat. Johnny hates jazz, does he? And shattered like dreams. It is the uh, it is the northeast footy breakfast show. I'm trying to corral this crew. Yeah. Uh, Johnny they, hates they, jazz. We'll be talking about jazz in a minute. And they are, they are uncontrollable at times, particularly that Ted. Now he's back in Cyprus and he's been freed from yeah, UK shackles. Wrong. You know, he's yeah, a bit of a he's a bit of a wronging. I got to stop complaining about my microphone now. Is that better? Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Talk, mate. Talk. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking. But because you haven't obviously... Oh, yeah, that's good. On, 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 not one, bad two, there. Three. That's nice, that's nice. But you that's see, we nice. have this studio connection system, which Steve hates and blames for all his ills. And oh, wars. you should have been on yesterday. But, uh, well, I heard, you, I heard your <laughs> Wi-Fi drop out, Steve, absolutely. Um, but you see, the lads have to name I'm themselves. Not I'm not baiting radio, Dad. Oh, I tried, I tried, oh. mate. Um, and the lads have to give themselves names so we know which channel is which. Well, of course, Ted hasn't. He's made up a name again. So I'm yes. looking at this thinking, which one do I turn up? Which one do I turn down? Which one do I control? Well, ever since you Thanks, told me mate. that I haven't changed my name, I've been more professional. Thank you very much. We've got, we've got him called New Mike Who Is Dis today. No, New Mike Who Dis. <laughs> oh, Who Dis. Sorry. I put an is, I put an is in there. typical radio dad thing oh. to say. Who, who Is Dis. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, lads. Uh, by the way, what's up? Alan. Uh, Alan hasn't Alan hasn't sent us a message since December, but he has this morning, and he's asking the he's asking the question: Will t- will the tune employ Michael Oliver in the future? Question mark. Oh, interesting one. Yeah, obviously, years, Michael Oliver is right on the doorstep. And also another what's up? It's Daniel. Morning, Daniel. VR needs to know its place, i.e. it is there to assist the referee and not to referee the game for him or her. Referees should feel comfortable in being able to disagree with VAR where appropriate. Um, We've seen too much evidence of lazy officiating. VAR reviews need to be given a time limit so that there is not necessarily... Oh, there's a good idea. Not necessarily additional time which may lead to player injuries. Anyhow, great show, guys. The Footy Breakfast Show is not just a radio show. It's a community. Yeah, we'll get you on a call soon. Oh, he's typing. He's typing. Some cracking points. Actually, I'm that's telling a- you, there's drones coming in, though. There's drones taking over for referees in the future. Well, I'm there you go. You. Elon but, Musk. Yeah. Elon yeah. Musk buys the Premier League That'll and have drones for referees. And then you can play... You know, Do you remember the Golden Gold competitions that used to be at football games 20 yes. to 30 years ago? Where yes. you'd, you'd buy a ticket, yeah. open it up, and if the goal scored on 27 minutes and three seconds, then you win the money. We could have a Golden yes. Gold type situation You know, after about 20, 20 minutes. Which player's head will the drone fall on when the battery runs out? Yes. Yeah. New game. <laughs> well, we could we could um, we could have some um, bother ahead as well. The, the news headlines this morning have been um, great. I notice our news headlines haven't covered it like, but uh, could be could be the end of the world as we know it with this satellite going to crash into Earth uh, today. Yeah, not yet. Buy your tin hats. Um, I'm sure the Americans are selling them. It's a hundred thousand to one opportunity that it could land on you, so uh, you never it know. It won't hit the floor, mm. and Pennywell will be sold off for parts. <laughs> <laughs> it won't hit the floor. Somebody will catch it before it hits the floor. Exactly. I'm telling you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Straight out of cash converters with that man, telling you. Before we move on, fellas, and I know we've got to do our updates on our respective clubs. Daniel's been back again with WhatsApp. I have a couple Morning of ideas now. for next season for getting the listeners involved. Mm. One, Ooh. northeast footy breaky show fantasy football. Yeah. Ooh. Oh yes, yes, yes. Is yes, is is, like is that, that a is that a competition that Steve would partake in? And, and number two, uh, a predictions league. Okay. For oh, the Northeast Footy Breakfast Show. He does he does put a bit of a rider on those suggestions at the bottom, saying permission obviously is required from Dears and Daz uh, for any ideas. 
good man. He knows his place. I like it. Mm. Like it. Good stuff, Daniel. Well, uh, Daniel, we'll teach you very quickly. We go around Dave and Daz, all right? I'll teach you the secrets. Yeah, there's there's ways around it. We we employed like an independent uh, radio referee who advises us, the presenters, on how to circumvent all of those uh, all of those issues caused by um, by by bureaucracy and politics. We have Alan Partridge. I know my place because of open crumb. So I know my place in the pecking order. It's your station, though. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Dad still tells me to open crumbs. You should have seen his face, though. You know, you know when I came in last week and da- Daz walked in with bacon sandwiches, you could clearly see Dave was both happy and really annoyed that it took me to go into the studio for that to happen. I, I could read him like a book. It was brilliant. <laughs> hey, right, it won't be long, mate. You'll be in the studio as well when you get yourself over. I can't wait. Yeah, God, indeed. I can't indeed. wait. Right, Steve, should we do a bit of club stuff let's do the club headlines magpies and proud mags news well the rumour mill has already started spinning with regards to who could eventually replace dan ashworth in the newcastle united boardroom but it may be some time before a like-for-like equivalent arrives on tyneside ashworth is now on garden and leave and will serve out his lengthy notice period to fruition unless manchester united can agree a compensation package with newcastle Despite paying the sporting director's salary while he's sidelined, the Magpies are in no rush to appoint a big name to fill Ashworth's shoes until they establish how his future will play out. Eddie Mitchell, the man credited with helping AFC Bournemouth claim the football and pyramid and bringing Eddie Howe back to the club has sadly passed away at the age of 69. The former Cherry owner, who was also the club's chairman between 2009 and 2013, helped oversee the club's incredible rise from League 2 to the Premier League during his stint at his beloved team. Craig Hope announced that Alexander Izak and Joe Willock both trained yesterday. That's a huge boost for Newcastle if they come through the next few days and can make the squad for Arsenal. And there's a change to the start time of tonight's under-18 Premier League fixture at Manchester City. It was originally a one o'clock kickoff. It's now been altered to 7pm this evening. Venue remains the City Football Academy. That's in Newcastle United headlines on Wednesday, Wednesday the 21st of February. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Michael Bale has broken his silence after his brief, unsuccessful reign came to a resounding halt on Wearside. In a short statement, he thanked the players, staff and particularly the fans for their recent support of Bale and his family during the home win against Plymouth. In particular, he highlighted the contribution of the players, though, and his disappointment in leaving the club, saying, I'm disappointed to have left Sunderland after a short time at the club. I would like to say a big thank you to the players who were excellent to work with. The squad has a lot of potential and I will follow their progress with great interest in the coming weeks and months. Elsewhere, in a bizarre twist yesterday, some Sunderland fans on Twitter, or X depending on whether you're Generation Z, have discovered what appears to be a burner account that has defended the actions of Michael Beale covering his time at both Rangers and Sunderland. During his tenure at the Black Cats, a Twitter account named Player underscore ID routinely defended Beale in conversation with Sunderland supporters the account defended Bale for not shaking Hume's hand during their defeat at Birmingham and also asked fans who had a stronger squad between him and his predecessor, uh, predecessor Tony Mowbray. However, eagle-eyed fans have spotted a tweet from 2017 asking ex-users to follow the account, dubbed as the new business venture of none other than Michael Bale himself. It's like unmasking a Scooby-Doo ghost. Since fans made their alleged discovery, both Michael Beale's Twitter and uh, player ID account have subsequently been deleted. 
And finally, former Manchester United striker Dwight York has publicly declared his interest in the now vacant Sunderland managerial job. York, of course, finished his career as a Sunderland player. The ex-United and Villa man told Gambling Zone, I would just like the opportunity to manage Sunderland. I've played for these clubs and it would be nice to go back to Sunderland, but it doesn't mean that I'd rule out managing another club in the EFL. I have to be open-minded to the challenge I'd have to take on. So it's the start of a th- day three without a manager. We're up to eight managers linked with three months to the end of the season and it's just going to be a really long process, Sunderland fans. They are your headlines. Smoggies and Proud. Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. It is right here on my burner account, Mark Clattenburg. Borough are sweating still on the fitness of Johnny Houston and Hayden Hackney this week, but three names that have emerged as players that may never feature for Borough again. Liam Roberts, obviously the goalkeeper out on loan after Middlesbrough signed three new goalkeepers in the summer with Senny Dieng, Tom Glover and Jamie Jones joining the T-Siders on permanent basis. Liam Roberts' contract expires this summer with no sights of one next season. Hayden Coulson as well, uh, which he signed a new deal with Middlesbrough in February of last year. Coulson is currently on loan at Blackpool, but he's certainly not in Carrick's thinking as things stand. Both Lucas Engel and Alex Bangura are the championship championship club's preferred choices at left back. And whilst there could be a possibility of signing Loney Luke Thomas in the summer with his contract up at Leicester City. And Matthew Hoppy as well. This one speaks volumes for me. Uh, that Hoppy has returned from his loan spell in the MLS where Middlesbrough had no fit strikers. Still to this point, having no fit strikers, yet he hasn't even been included from the bench. He has been fit and available for selection for Borough's last seven games. It has only appeared in the matchday squad in their last two outings. Borough mm. under 21s bowed out of the Premier League Cup with a defeat on the road to Fulham last night. There was no joy in the capital despite a goal for Sonny Finch on his return. The Cottagers ended our run at the round of 16. And Lewis O'Brien says Middlesbrough players believe they are capable of making the championship playoffs this season and not to write them off. He spoke of the special atmosphere within the dressing room and said the lads are more together than ever, ready to push on, no matter the injuries, no matter the costs. O'Brien gave a man of the match performance on Saturday as Borough beat Leicester City to keep their season alive. And Carrick's boys are on the outside looking in with 14 games remaining. Well, Lewis, if you say it, I'm never giving up, mate. While mathematically possible, up to Borough, we're winning it all. That's your headlines. Hi, it's Bernie Slavin. Looking forward to being on every Monday on the red between 6 and 7. Opinions, views, I don't want any BS. We need to get their lottery numbers for Wednesday night, I think, <laughs> or Saturday, definitely. If Borough's won the lot and you all do what you're going to do, and we end up getting beat 2-1. Are you going to take any responsibility for that? Regardless of what happens in the game, it needs to be done just to make a point. That's the point of it. The protest is supposed to be disruptive. It's supposed to get our voice heard. No messing about. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. This Monday, 6 o'clock to 7, please join us up the borough. Slaven Live with the Dovecot. Spend your evening in the best bar in Teesside. Together, across the northeast. Three brand new radio stations by the fans, for the fans, on DAB Radio, online, and smart speakers. Right across, right across the northeast, the red platoon and the cat. And don't worry, those listening on the cat who are Sunderland fans and those listening on the tuna and Newcastle fans, we will be bringing your equivalent of. Bernie Slavin's phone in uh, to your respective uh, radio stations. Uh, fellas, what's up? Alan's what's been back up? on. Alan's been back on. He says, hey, great idea. I think he's uh, he's looking back at, uh, at what Daniel was suggesting. He said, I'm up for it. 
your your very own Super Six and FPL. Mm. What are you going to call your fantasy league? Will it be the Northeast Misfits? Oh, oh, oh! I think Open Chrome is the winner. <laughs> Open I have a checkered history it. with fantasy league names, so oh, I'll need to be very what? careful. Do you know what? When oh. when when I was uh, when I was when I was on telly, when I was over in America on ESPN, I was a presenter. They made all the um, what they call talent. They made us all compete in the ESPN fantasy Premier League football competition, and mm. I had no interest whatsoever. But we were made. To, uh, to all participate because it was the whole idea was get your soccer talent on and you know all, all of you will, will participate so I picked my team and never went back to it that was it yes. for the rest of the season I just Solid. picked my team because I had to do it never went back to it needless to say I didn't come anywhere what era was that? Was that like Landon Donovan era? When we when we talk, what MLS era? No, it wasn't MLS. We we picked him from, like from the Premier League. Donovan from the Premier League. Oh, we, really? Yeah, okay, we covered wow. the Premier League for for ESPN. So it was all uh, it was okay. all Premier League. The era was two thousand and six through to two thousand and ten. Ooh, not a bad era. Not a bad era. I was a mere whippersnapper. snapper. I got my legs. I got my legs slapped for not participating. Not not uh, competing in the spirit that was expected of me. Aww. Okay, lads. I'm going to chuck in the wild card topic, um, which oh, I, no. I promised I would bring you. Yeah, yeah. Just going to chuck it in, lads. Just going to chuck it in. And this is, this really isn't. Is Geography. it a quiz? Not re- it's not really a quiz. Has it got any oh, fancy quiz. theme tunes? It hasn't really got a fancy theme tune. No, it's it. There's a point to doing this, and it, this isn't going to be a regular feature. This is a one-off feature. So, lads, um, without further ado, and without the use of any internet uh, searching engines, please. Um, Question to you, lads, in general, and you can shout out. I don't care, uh, you know how, how I get the yeah. answer. Uh, yeah. First of all, women's super league this season. Who is bottom of the table? Gee, I heard a oh, no. Southampton. That's your guess. Okay, locked in. Ted. Uh, Everyone has got no idea. Radio Dad, don't be shy. I know Chelsea are top. Um, Good knowledge. Even that was the question, though. For the rest, <laughs> wow. Brighton. I know they're okay, not Brighton, doing well. That's your locked in. Ted? Ted said Blackburn. I thought I'd just answered. Yeah, Blackburn. Oh, he said Blackburn. I didn't hear you. Okay, that's fine. So that's your three. Okay, the answer is Bristol City women. All right. Oh wow! Oh, wow! How many teams? How many teams are in the women's super league, lads? I know that one. So I'll, go, I'll go last. I'll go last. Okay, go for it, Ted. Right. I, I know this one as well. To be honest, like it's twelve. Dave, was that yeah, your I was answer? Say, twelve. Yeah. I was going to say twelve. Yeah. yeah I was okay. Say 12. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't <clears> have got that. Okay. Who's the top scorer in the women's super league, lads? Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, the next question is going to be: There were sixty thousand one hundred twenty-seven at the Arsenal there game at the only... weekend. Name them all. There is only three questions, lads. All I right, just, okay. Uh, who's the top uh, scorer uh, and how many goals? Oh, you get an extra no point. Idea. You get an extra point. <laughs> no idea. I'm going to no. say, is it uh, Lauren? Is it James from Chelsea? I know she scores a lot. That's your answer, Lauren James. Him. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going. Oh, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be terrible. I normally say Sam Kerr, but I was going to say Sam. Yeah, I was going to say Sam Kerr's the only player I know, really. Um, <laughs> and that's me point, Ted. Go on. 
Any 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 advance on Sam Kerr or Lauren James? I'm going to go Lauren James as well, actually. And this is where we're at, lads. Women's football, the Women's Super League. Um, we know nothing about it, very little about it. Fair play to if I even known there was 12 teams, because I couldn't have even given that answer if that had been chucked at me. Um, you know, is the women's game really as big as people are claiming it is? And and, and this is becoming a topic of conversation on on various social media networks and and, and across across football. Women's football has come a, a, a long way in a short space of time. Newcastle United's women's team will once again be playing at St James's Park um, in the next couple of months, and and we'll probably have a record-breaking crowd there again. We've had over twenty-four thousand watching our games at St James's Park. But how much do we actually know about our women's teams? The top scorer. Um, not bad lads Lauren James is second she scored 10 goals uh, Khadija Shaw at Manchester City has scored 12 again somebody I've never heard of but the question I really wanted to put you this morning because of that is you know is, is, is women's football any further forward right than, than maybe you know it was 10-15 years ago uh, has it really come in great strides is it really as exciting um, you know as, as people are making out or it, uh, are, they, are they still got a long way to go well, nice. we have we have a Mr. We have a first time caller, Mr. Joy Barton, on the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Wow. Yeah. And insane. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I actually think it, uh, I actually would disagree. I think it's actually very exciting at the moment. I think the Matildas, especially showing that World Cup that we had just recently, the Women's World Cup here in uh, in Australia, was fantastic. We saw millions of viewers. Uh, we had the highest record of TV. Uh, tune-ins for those games, record crowd numbers as well for that as well. Yes, it was a World Cup, but I still think the women's game is flourishing. I think there's young girls all around the world that are starting to take football seriously here in Australia. I mean, soccer, as we call it here in Australia, is is still so far down beneath many sports. But can you reel off? Can you reel um, off? Can you reel off the first eleven of the uh, the national team in Australia? Oh yeah, I could go close, could. probably. Oh no, probably not all of them, but I reckon I could do. Six or seven, I reckon. If, yeah, but no, yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Um, you know, I, I know, you know, obviously Sam Kerr, we know her. I know <coughs> Katrina Gorey, uh, uh, Mary Fowler, uh, Caitlin Ford, who plays for Arsenal, uh, Ellie Carpenter, obviously uh, Emily Rasso as well. She plays for Real Madrid. She was the first Australian woman to play, or, or first Australian, I should say, yeah. to sign for Real Madrid. Um, so, you know, there's a few there, but... Yeah, you've got good point. knowledge. I mean, then. you've got you've got good you've got good knowledge. You've got far better knowledge than I have. I couldn't name I, I could name Lauren James, of course. I think Lauren James is because she's gone into the mainstream. I think you know she's she, was she know, the top scorer by the way. Do we know. I can I can mention Mary. No, she was second. Oh, Roger. Kadidja from Manchester City was the was the top scorer on twelve, only oh, by okay. two goals. Mary Earps, I could mention her. Commercial commercial yeah. activities, you know the the whole you know the the whole social media explosion over the fact that there was no shirts available when you know when she had such a good World Cup, um, you know. But I, I couldn't name them. Ted, it's, it's same same question to you. I mean, are you, uh, you know, do, you know, when you're sitting there in Cyprus, you know, and, and it comes up on TV, Women's Super League, you know, Arsenal versus Chelsea, uh, do you, you know, do, do you sit down and you know get your snacks ready, open a open a tinny and sit and watch it? Because I don't. Well, no, but I mean, I, I look at this from a from a completely different point of view. Um, I guess I'm more localised. I take an interest in what's going on in Sunderland Football Club as a whole. Obviously, yeah. yes, the, the the men's team is what I'm used to. It's what I've been brought up on. 
Um, but that doesn't mean that I kind of like sort of completely ignore what's going on. I can name, you know, a, a good few. Obviously, I know Mel Ray's in charge there. Even the likes of, you know, the, the, the past players as well. The likes of, of Jill Scott who've come through um, and gone on to great things. Steph Houghton as well, you can add into that. Who's, you, know, you would say is a, a great if the English game, certainly. Um, in terms of, yeah, the national team, Mary Earp springs to mind because, I mean... Some of the saves in the, the last couple of tournaments have been absolutely world class stuff, and, and fully deserves our place as sports personality of the year. But you know, look at looking at the team. Obviously, we're, we're, Sunderland have got a young, up and coming team, the top of the championship right now. So there's there's a lot to be proud of within the club, and a lot to keep an eye on with the the, the emergence of people like Kira Ramshaw, Katie Kitchen, absolutely fantastic players. Um, you know, Emily Scar doing very well for herself, Liz Dupy as well, always on the score sheet. They're starting to build a, a, a really good quality squad at Sunderland. That's what I look at. Is is my team, and it's yeah. Obviously, the the mainstay of that because of because of marketing, because of ticket sales, because all that kind of thing. My my main focus is always going to be on the men's team. Of course, it is. But that's not to say that that I'm kind of like going to ignore what else is going on at the club. The same way that you know, even in the headlines that that, that I do for the show. I'll always try and put something in there about the, the under-23s yeah. or the women's team, and I'll look at this club as a club in whole, not not just one part of the, the club. I'm, I'm interested in what Sunderland EFC, women, men's team, junior team are doing. I, I don't I care do what that. it is. If, if it's red and white, I'll, I want to know about it. I've done that I've done that since I came on the show. I wouldn't have done yeah. it otherwise. I've, I've never covered the women's show on the podcast. Uh, the women's the women's team on the podcast. I I just I just don't think that the women's game is as um, I don't think it's you know as far as the publicity is concerned. Except I don't think we pay much as as much attention to it as maybe people think we, we do. Um, we do on this show. We've put and we've all like pushed the women's you know team and, and, and results etc. And we've given them publicity. But yeah, you see where I'm coming from, Dave. I don't think we are as clued up about and, and, and I say we generally yeah. and, and not just us on the show I, I just don't think we are as focused on it because you know we don't know as much about it and I certainly don't make time on a weekend to sit and to watch that same as I don't watch European football I don't watch the Bundesliga I don't watch you know the Dutch leagues I don't you know I know some people who watch everything and every single thing but I just don't do it but that that was the point I was trying to make with that this yeah morning. I get your point I get your point and um, Al's been back in touch I think it's Al let me just confirm um, uh, he's whatsapped us and uh, he says uh, Moser and me are in the director's box on Sunday at St James's it's 40 quid a ticket Wow. Um, yeah, Club St James, they call the suite. Uh, we actually watched the women's game on NUTV. Um, a future NUFC women's v Sunderland women's would attract 40,000 or so uh, into St James's Park or the Stadium of Light. So that's his point on the women's game. Uh, cheers, um, Alan. Moza, have a good day. Yeah. Good to have you on the show this morning. Thanks for joining us. Um, in terms of the women's game, uh, that's what it's Portsmouth, isn't it? In the women's FA Cup, is that who you've got at the weekend? Uh, I think mm. it is. Um, yeah, it's. Yeah, big game, isn't it? Um, look, I've just come off the back of nearly three years working for FIFA full time, and a lot of what I was doing—well, it was a lot of business stuff. It was a lot of media rights. It was a lot of strategy, uh, football strategy across across the globe. But a chunk of that was trying to help the women's game and, and come up with initiatives for the women's game. And we did an awful lot of work with Sarai, who heads women's football for FIFA, um, and a team. And the, we are, the, you know, I say we, it's, I don't work for them anymore. I've nearly been out a year. Um, 
there is a lot of development in the women's game going on. It's growing massively. I was at the Costa Rica Under-20 Women's World Cup and in, uh, that was two years ago, wasn't it? 2022. And to see the level of play in that tournament, and these are under-20 women, was amazing. Yeah. Spain beat Japan 3-1 in, in, in the cup final. And yeah, it wasn't massively um, um, attended by the public. Um, because, you know, underage games aren't. The women's games, when they're underage, aren't. And the men's games, uh, underage games, aren't particularly, because I know the under-20s the under and the under-17 men's World Cup um, aren't brilliantly attended. Um, but saying that, the development that we're seeing in the women's game is is amazing. And the, int the, the women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand, I was, I was working on the build-up to that as well, in Australia, New Zealand last year, or this year, it was the start of the year, wasn't it? Um, you know, FIFA, I, I was involved in some of the commercial deals there. I was, I was across them. I wasn't doing them. But, you know, the money, the revenue that's starting to be generated by the women's game now standing on its own two feet. And that was the first FIFA tournament that was pulled out of bundle, bundled deals where you used to buy the Men's World Cup and you get the Women's World Cup for free. That was pulled out. Of, of, of this in the new financial cycle for FIFA. So the Women's World Cup stood on its own two feet this time round for sponsors, for advertisers and all that sort of stuff. And the revenue that's starting to be generated, which will flow back into the women's game, was impressive. So we are seeing the women's game progress. But I get your point, Steve. It's nowhere near where the men's is because the men's had 120 years, 130 years, 140 years to, to develop yeah. it to where it is to this day and age. But the women's game is massively fast-tracking the men's game in comparison because we, we have seen just recently a Premier League equivalent set up with the Championship. So it's going to be an independent tournament, independent from the FA, like the Premier League is. That's just recently being set up for the women's game in this country. We're seeing the game grow massively in other countries as well. Australia, right, you've mentioned it. Uh, the, way, yep. the way the Matildas are playing and, and the way they're being followed. We saw over 60,000 people at the Emirates last week for the Arsenal ladies when they played. So the game is growing hugely. And I, I would argue until I'm blue in the face, and I've refereed both games, and I've worked commercially on both games, I would argue they're two completely different products. I don't think you can compare. You can't look at the women's game through the men's game eyes and vice versa. You can't do it. Who on earth is that? What is <laughs> That's that? not me. <laughs> what was that? Pass. <laughs> it's Ted. It's Ted. It, it is. <laughs> I was, uh, was trying to discreetly get a, get a little sound thing up just for Steve for his little wild card thing. And it obviously went horribly wrong. However, well Steve, next time we announce the wild card, we've got... Yeah. I like it. I like it. Very good. <laughs> we will do it. We'll just make it a regular feature. Some sort of feature. male voice choir while I was trying to get you up, but never mind. It ruined the moment. Eight thirty-five on Wednesday morning. Uh, let's have a little break, and and we will be back to talk about Jazz Singh. Who is Jazz Singh? You'll find out after the break. And he's not a pub singer. And he's not uh, Ron Keys, who is on uh, the Chris Story uh, weekend show, uh, Saturday, Sunday mornings, right across the northeast. Who's just driving to Manchester, he sent us a message and said, Good morning, lads. Go on, give my morning. big organ a mention. He whips out his organ on the oh. show. Uh, but oh, it's right. clean. It's all in, it's all in family so humour. Yeah. So do I, he's just, you know. Good man. Oh, I didn't have a jingle lined up, fellas. Uh, this is oh, the Northeast Footy Breakfast. Oh, come Welcome back. On. Good 
There you go. Look at that. Great, thanks. Uh, okay. You're welcome. We were chatting. Sorry. Before the break, I mentioned I mentioned Jazz Singh. Who is Jazz Singh? Well, Jazz Singh is a record-breaking goalkeeper. He's kept another clean sheet for the runaway National League North leaders Tamworth. He's now gone an astonishing 15 hours. That is one five 15 hours uh, without conceding a goal. Uh, earlier this month, he broke a club record. And uh, that was held by a guy called Dale Belford, who went 712 minutes without conceding. His ninth consecutive clean sheet and his 20th of the season so far in a goalless draw at Hereford at the weekend means Singh and his defensive unit are yet to concede a goal this year. Um, yeah. That puts him top of the stats as far as goalkeepers are concerned across the UK. Um, fantastic stats that and it, it you know is is he the best goalkeeper at this moment in the UK I would say he is um he's above the likes of Jordan Pickford etc and you can say what you want about a goalkeeping position but I think it's you know you, you still got to keep the ball out the net the goals are all the same size um I, he is the best goalkeeper right mm, that's interesting I, I actually hadn't heard of it it was um it's an interesting one um look I, I think um, yeah, as you said, the, the goals are all the same size. Uh, you know, if you, no matter what, you know, uh, what league, what you know, area you're playing in, um, you know, you, if you're a goalkeeper that's keep, keeping that amount of clean sheets, you're obviously doing something right. You know, you're getting shots uh, taken at you here. But you know, it, we've, we've seen it, um, and you know, not to change the subject or anything, but we've seen it with like um, likes of Tom Glover uh, at Middlesbrough. I think when everyone saw Senny Dieng getting injured, probably like with yourself with Dubravka, it's really hard as a backup keeper. Because you don't get game time. Do you know what I mean? And, and you don't get to be subbed on in the 80th minute to get game time. It's literally you're either playing or you're not. So in terms of getting match fitness and match awareness, you know, I mean, how goalkeepers can keep, you know, I guess, you know, ready to go, even though they might not ever feature in the whole season sort of thing, like Jamie Jones at the Borough sort of thing, or even, you know, uh, Carius at, at Newcastle. Uh, now he's on the bench sort of thing. So... Yeah, I've got a lot of respect for goalkeeping, no matter what league, no matter what, you know, um, you know where you're playing. The goal's the same size. You've got to stop, you know, all the shots you can. And if you're doing that amount of clean sheets and stopping that amount of goals, then, yeah, you've, uh, I don't know, maybe Borough can give him a call. <laughs> Ted, thoughts on uh, Jazz Singh's record? Yeah, I had a little read of the article, to be honest. Um, it is interesting. I noticed in there that he's um, he's potentially going to be picked up by England C, which is, the, the I guess, the non-league um, national squad. Um, so there's rumour he's going to be picked up by that. Listen, I mean, it, it's, it's a fantastic record, don't get me wrong. But also, it's, it's the National League North. So you're not going to find the world's most deadly strikers getting every single shot on target. Having said that... 20 clean sheets in a season deserves recommendation and at the at the very least at the very least I think Jazz Singh will be uh, will be on a lot of clubs radars now and we'll, we'll see him in the league shortly you, you've got to you know the, you, somebody's got to take a punt on that because they're, they're fantastic league two. statistics yeah, 100% absolutely league two. brilliant so, so, someone in league 2 will get, go for him 100% yeah absolutely um, you know I look forward to seeing the lad making his way up the ranks and yeah, you know, I, I don't know about the lad's age or anything like that, but that's that's a fantastic achievement, is he? Ah, yeah. So it's it's going to be yeah, a little yeah. bit uh, out of the question for him to get into into the upper echelons. But yeah, one last hurrah, get into a, a league side. Brilliant, absolutely superb achievement. That very very well done. Hartlepool, Hartlepool, get on the phone, Hartlepool. Mm -hmm. 
Dave, Phillips. it's a hard job being a goalkeeper. You're always remembered for your error. Mm. I mean, Dubravka That's... pulled off two great saves at the weekend, but every, everyone's talking about the slip, yeah. um, you know, which <clears> led to Solanke's goal. But um, this kid's on fire. He is. Uh, that used to be my position when I played goalkeeper um, until I broke my arm. And then I thought, I'm giving that up as a bad job. Um, yeah, look, he, he, he's doing brilliantly. He's kept two clean sheets against Darlow, although uh, South Shields, Spenny and Blythe Spartans have scored against him this season. Um, but that was mm. that was earlier. That was last year. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got to argue what will the quality of strikers be. But do you know what? I think it's a like-for-like. Like. Whether you're a Premier League, a Premier League goalkeeper with a Premier League defence in front of you facing Premier League strikers, or whether you're a National League North goalkeeper with a National League North defence facing National League North strikers. I think it's a like-for-like, like. so I think it is an indication of how well he's done, but it's certainly an indication of how tight the Tamworth defence is um, because they have, bossed, they have bossed the division. I keep a, a close eye on it because, you know, I used to referee the likes of Blythe Spartans and Spenny and South Shields, who've also scored against them, by the way. Um, and Darlow, keep an eye on Darlow, because I've got a soft spot for Darlow, like I have with Artlepool. I can do that being a Borough fan before I get letters. So, um, yeah, look, the, the kid's doing really well, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure his defence in front of him must have had a, a fair say of uh, how many goals he's conceded. Well, we will watch his progress with interest. Good luck to the lads and well done on his record. Uh, lads, ready for a change of direction? Here we go. Oh. Yeah, we'll go, lads. That's Monkey, yeah. Monkey, yes. Moving on to Steve Bruce, who's interested in becoming the next South Korea manager. <laughs> uh, with the former Newcastle boss keen to move overseas for his next job, uh, should he just not retire, lads? Uh, come on. Yeah, that was Monkey Magic, by the way. I just couldn't help giving him a little bit of an intro. <laughs> an Oriental theme, lads. If you haven't watched Monkey Magic, give it a watch. It's fantastic. I've got the box set if you want to borrow it. Um, <laughs> anything K-pop <laughs> and the universal music. <laughs> something like that. Oh, is that what it is? is. Oh, it was, it was, K-pop it was either Monkey Magic or da- it was either that or David Carradine Kung Fu, but it was too slow. That. I thought Monkey had a bit more of an effect. And and, um, and and kung fu is all about China. It, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Careful, let's not go down that. Uh, yeah, that we won't get into geography and um, countries that exactly. walked into. Yeah, indeed, yeah. indeed. But, but he is there. Uh, he is the next South Korea. He wants to be the next South Korea manager. I mean, this is desperation. Uh, Come on, man. He, uh, he's the he's the manager, an ex manager that keeps on giving for me. Like he's mm. uh, as well as sitting as well as sitting talking about uh, Callum Wilson should go to Manchester United despite his bad injury record. Um, he's putting himself in the frame for South Korea. I mean, he's he's gone from the Republic of Ireland job to South Korea. But nobody wants him, uh, Rai. Nobody wants Steve mm. Bruce. Mate, if he if he hangs around long enough, he'll get Jesse Lingard uh, nationalised as the South Korean and sign him up. I reckon so. That's probably his long term plan. But it's getting ridiculous. I mean, he I mean he's just so desperate for work, and I kind of in a way feel sorry for him because he, he he's doing every podcast, he's doing every you know TV skit, whatever he can do to remain in the public eye, and he's just desperate for work. He's a manager that hasn't got a team to manage, and whether it's League One or League Two, or no one's interested, nobody wants you know his his expertise not even in a football director role um you know he's just desperate for work and now he's you know he's taking what he can get and maybe it's south korea for him next because if he's not putting his name forward then he's not but i feel like his agent's letting him down <laughs> if he's if, if a 
player like Steve, you know, a team, a, a man like Steve Bruce still, I think, could manage very well at a lower league team or a South Korean. Look at Neil Warnock going to Aberdeen, like that, something like that. You know, a per, if, if no matter what happens to Aberdeen, you know what I mean? That, that's a perfect appointment for Neil Warnock. You know what I mean? It's short term. You know, he gets Aberdeen back on the right track and then he can go again. Something like that. That's the take a page from Neil Warnock's uh, Brucey and uh, and call him up and, and see what he you know what he's doing because what he's doing is is the right way to go about it. Not yes, I'd love to coach you know South Korean national team. It's just come on, Brucey. He could do a job in North Korea, uh, Ted. <laughs> yeah. He is the gift that keeps on is giving. That it? Isn't he, as is that said. it? Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not touching Listen, that one at all. <laughs> I mean, yesterday it was in the Chronicle that Steve Bruce had, has, has already explained why Sunderland won't turn to him while the likes of the new manager and say, "Really, Steve?" And then the reason apparently is not because he was absolutely dire and had less than a thirty percent win ratio with us. It's because he went on to manage Newcastle. Yeah, the guy lives in a dreamland. He really does. I mean, you mentioned Warnock there, right? I'll tell you why Warnock still gets jobs because he's got an ounce of humility in him, mm. and he's he's a guy who is is realistic, is honest. You know, he's he's potted about in. He's never had Good a point. big big club to manage. I would say. Uh, which is a shame, really, because I think he always deserved that opportunity. But the guy goes goes through life and goes through the game being a personable, decent guy, good to listen to. And yeah, yeah, and just Steve Bruce isn't. <laughs> that's that's all I've got to say on it. Dave, you know, he, he is going around. I mean, you know, Rise made the, the point about his agent. Um, you know, has he got an agent? I don't know. But, I mean, he, he is literally on everything at the moment, talking talking himself up and trying to talk himself into a job. Which are you is talking strange, about chat shows? I thought you were talking about something else there when you said he's well, on everything at the moment. Well, well, he is. He's virtually on every uh, every football and platform, um, talking about getting back into management, which I'm sure six months ago he said he didn't want to manage again. It's a personal thing, isn't it? I mean, does he need to work? Is he just got the? Has he just got the the why bug where he wants to work? And you know, irrespective of of age and and current standing in the game, I mean, you can't blame the lad for wanting to work, can you? Um, and he, maybe he just thinks, you know, it's just not going to happen here. Uh, maybe maybe he's too proud to step down into lower divisions. Uh, and he just thinks going international, uh, doing a national team job, uh, getting across to a half decent country like Korea, South Korea is. Got to be careful which one we uh, identify there. Um, <laughs> would Steve Bruce do North Korea? <laughs> um, you know, maybe maybe that's just it's it's his preferred choice at the moment. He he might not see many avenues open to him here, so he is looking abroad. Um, you know, if he wants to, if he wants to, he's actually a. He's actually a nice guy, Steve Bruce. Uh, I, I interviewed him many times when I had the Sky gig and when I was doing ESPN uh, stuff over here, and I found him fine. I found him approachable, friendly sort of How's guy. The bacon? Yeah, he loves to ask about the bacon, and um, you know, there's there's a real human side to to Steve Bruce that you you probably don't consider when you're looking at 
match results when he's managing your team and all that sort of stuff. So, um, I mean, he's not afraid to take a job, which is a poison chalice, it has to be said. But no, absolutely. October, October 2021, he said, I think this might be my last job. He told the Daily Telegraph in an interview, it's just not about me. It's taken its toll on my whole family because they're all Geordies and I can't ignore that. I'm 60 years of age and I don't know if I want to put her through it again. Yeah. We've got a good life. So, yeah, this will probably be me done as a manager. And there is and that, he goes there is on that question. Until I get a phone call from a chairman yeah, somewhere. Indeed. Asking if I can give them a hand. I can't. Never yeah, never. Until I've I get an offer, I can't, I can't refuse. Um, yeah, look, there is that question of when, when a manager comes to the end of his career, you know, is there another, an, another job left in him? I mean, look at Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. Uh, for whatever reason, the public reason is he doesn't have any energy left to continue doing that job. Uh, at least he hasn't said he's going to retire from football. He's just said he, he's going to retire from that job. But you look at Roy Hodgson, bless him, and we keep our fingers crossed that his condition improves. You know, he's worked until he's dropped, basically. I mean, that's that's what's happened with Roy because he loves the game that much. And, you know, my position is, is quite neutral on this. If Brucey wants to go to South Korea and look at the national team job, good luck to him. Yeah, okay. Uh, couple of WhatsApps. Couple of WhatsApps oh, before go you on. go on. Go for them. Go oh. on. Um, uh, lots of WhatsApps, actually. I tell you what, oh. uh, uh, Andy's pretty hot this morning. Uh, Alan, sorry, he's pretty hot this morning. I thought Brucey might have been over in India for the test series. Uh, charisma bypass with Brucey. Well, there you go. Um, who else we got here? Uh, first time messenger. I spot a Pinocchio nose surrounding that message. Um, <laughs> hi, loving the show as always. I think Sunderland made a mistake getting rid of Beale. He's a great manager. Yeah. Uh, kind regards, player ID. Uh, but I think they should go for... <laughs> but I think they should go for a fr- they should go for a fresh young manager. Somebody like Rooney or something. Uh, that's come from Jack in Leicester <laughs> uh, you know what they are? they've written all over that oh, you didn't even have to tell me uh, brilliant brilliant sorry Steve go on mate can you believe that Ted by the way I mean you, you covered in the headlines can you believe that it, that Michael's Bill actually had that burner account doing that um I don't know what to believe with it uh, I just find I mean if if that is true he needs help because that's almost like, I don't know, it's just, it's a strange thing. It's very Alan Partridge, actually. I know we mention <laughs> him a lot wild, on the show, but like it? sort of, Man, there's some real a burner stuff. account supporting himself. Surely not. Yeah, we have, surely not. That can't you be right. Thing. We have some politicians right. in our region who sit yeah, through social is. media accounts with their family yeah. on a tea time, deleting stuff that's wow. negative about Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's, that's how sad it gets. I'm not naming any names. Yeah, there okay. are fake but, accounts yeah, on yeah. Durham County Council's Facebook page, uh, either, either fake accounts or actual staff, um, you know, supporting certain initiatives when people are actually going, well, you know, why don't you fix the potholes you do now, or why don't you come and collect the bins, you know, all this sort of thing. And I say this mm-hmm. all the time on Durham County Council's page, but there's like, I don't know, there's like insiders, you know, like little insurgents who, um, who kind of protect the name mm-hmm. of the council. And this is a similar sort of thing. It's just... I, I want to believe it's not true. I absolutely want to believe it's not true. But there's just that nagging doubt in my head. And I've seen the tweet from 2017. Yeah, yeah. Give this a follow. You won't regret it. It's Michael Fields' yeah, exactly. new business. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking, oh, there's something really wrong about that. Scary, there's isn't something it? Really Surely he can't, be, he, sh- he can't be the only one now. That's what ma- makes me think. Well, Surely he can't be the only manager. Well. That's, that's, that's exactly. the rumour online. You know I mean? is, 
It's, well, Stevie yeah, G Gerard put him up to it apparently, suit. and said, "Yeah, exactly." Yeah. That's because obviously he was under Stevie G. So, does Michael Carrick have one? Does Eddie Howe have one? Do you know what I mean? Do these lads? I know they say they don't pay attention, no. but maybe they secretly do. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know. It's just yeah. Potentially, I mean, you're going to keep an eye on things, aren't you? And if you're not, your agent's going to. Um, you know, there's, yeah, there's probably some of some of these big accounts, the football accounts, are, are run by agents. They're doing it just to keep the yeah. image in the, you know, in in the spotlight and to get, you know, to help sponsorship deals. If somebody's sponsored by a certain brand, they'll they'll retweet them and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, it's yeah. you know, it, it works it works in different ways. But I mean, it it, it does seem to, it does seem to be the case with that Beal one. I mean, you know, and, and the problem is. Even if you did it, your history, you're, you're leaving a digital footprint. It's always there. So yep. it looks like it looks like Beale potentially is being caught out there. But is there, there's nothing wrong with it. He's not broken any laws. I mean, at the no. end of the day, I think no. it just it gives you an impression. It's a it gives you, it gives you <laughs> an impression. It gives you an impression on, on on him because he's you know he's speaking in the third person. If it is him who's running the account, you know. So um, yeah, it's a straight. It's just straight. Ted doesn't like that. No. no, Ted doesn't like that. <laughs> See what you did there. Couple of uh, uh, couple of Facebook <laughs> me- uh, messages coming back in from Stu, who's still with Who's us. that? Who knows that? <laughs> Goodness knows what time it is uh, north of Vancouver, but there you go. A uh, couple of messages no, here. We're just that good listening. I know, absolutely. Um, uh, he, he reckons uh, Ted should do a segment called Ted Dubs segment. Um, he oh, wants yeah. to know just. just <laughs> Does bringing referees into football clubs now mean we're going to have to do, um, I've got to clean this one up, uh, a segment called Who's the Person in the Black? Um, you you need to get yourself into the championship, Steve, apparently, because there's no VAR. It's very enjoyable. Uh, we'd, we'd, uh, obviously, Not that ob- long since they were there. Obviously, we'd, <laughs> obviously we'd uh, totally agree that Newcastle should come down to the championship. And um, a suggestion, if we do have drones replacing referees, you could do a segment called The Game of Drones. There you go, yes. and um, oh, and his like final that. and yes. his final point is: I've watched the women's football. I've watched women's football. It has improved with skill. Uh, the best part is they don't roll around like they've been shot once they're tackled. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So thanks for all those points, Stu. Brilliant stuff, mate. Good stuff, Stu. Great stuff. Um, thanks for getting in we touch. Only had, we only had one more topic to cover, and it was just Gareth Southgate. And I'm I'm gonna just list Kobe Mainu. Uh, James Garner and, and Harrison Reed uh, as the three players that he is uh, looking at and potentially giving an England cap to. Mm. Um, why is Anthony Gordon not even under consideration after the season he's had, do you think? Um, I, I mean, he's, he's been Newcastle's best player this season. There's no doubt about it. Consistently one of the best. He's now hit double figures as a midfielder despite having a couple of games out with injury. Potentially could go on to get maybe his 15 goals as a midfielder this season. He's got to be in contention, Ted. Well, I'm, I'm shocked that he isn't, to be honest. And I, I've, I've said this privately when I was away, you know, last week. Yeah. It stayed at Doctor Mix, who's obviously a big Geordie fan as well. Um, I talked at length about Anthony Gordon, how he is a future England star for me. He's got to be. You know, the the, the kid's such a talent. He ran his heart out playing out of position at the weekend, put in a great performance, and he's doing it consistently as well. He's yeah. not like sort of. He's not a player that goes missing for a couple of weeks on the pitch. This kid puts his his, his effort in every single time. Um, I, I'm sick of Southgate. I really am. I'm absolutely bored to tears with him. He sucked the joy out of international football even more than it already was for me. And um, these, it's almost like he's doing it to really like knock the England fans. It, that that's what it, it feels like now. It's like what else can I do to hack them off? And, and you know, and just make more of a mockery of the position I'm in. Just get him out. 
get him out and, and you know recognise the talent that's there because there are some fantastic not just Anthony Gordon by the way there are some fantastic English players who are not getting anywhere near the squad because of this Pratt and his dinosaur antics it's time he was gone peddle him yeah, yeah right. right as it is yeah Nobody yeah knows. um he's, go he's the not going to sponsor and the show is he? <laughs> 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 Does he Anthony, good morning, Anthony, Gordon, Anthony Gordon for England, Daz. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I just don't get it. I do not get it. Why Southgate has overlooked him? But we uh, we've seen it, and we've seen the history of him doing this. He has his yeah. favourites, and he sticks to yeah, them. He has his mates. Um, yeah, uh, Jordan Henderson. Oh my word! Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know what? Why is why is he travelling all the way over there to go and see him? Um, they're good friends, Daz. Like you'd fly over to see me play for Australia. Yeah, well, that is true. But you know, Anthony Gordon, uh, after the season he's had, if he doesn't get picked for this next tournament, it will be criminal. Yeah. It will be. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. I reckon. Well, that's been a great Anthony Gordon. It's been a great show, lads, and we've managed to get through all the topics as well. Woo! So yeah, well, uh, done. well done. Mm-hmm. I did my best well to try and you know put a spanner in the works, but you beat me. <laughs> you did, you did. Daz, what you got on the show this morning? Oh, we got the amazing lemon twigs on the show this morning. The band from America who were taking the UK and pop world by storm. We got them chatting to us this morning. And all the usual nonsense, including the quiz that is sweeping the nation. Name that theme. Mm. Ah, Stadium Scran. Yeah, well, we, we, in our true style on the Breaky Show, we've got less than a minute of a song and then Daz's on. <laughs> well, have a good one, Daz, and I will see you tomorrow, guys. Yeah, have a good day. See you, see you See you, boys. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the Red Batoon and the Cat.